Hi, I'm Patrick Finley. He's Jason Leisure. Jason, the Bears won a game. It was ugly, but they won a game. We will talk about what it means and what it doesn't mean coming up on Hallis Intrigue. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Jason, 16-13 Bears win at home against the Panthers. Boy, the Panthers uh, might be the worst team in football. I guess winning beats the alternative, especially because it helps the Bears draft selection, but it wasn't a pretty game we watched. This game for the Bears, it means everything and nothing. Right. It means everything big picture in terms of the draft pick, like you're talking about. It, it means nothing to me as far as what they are this season. Mm-hmm. There was nothing in a 16-13 squeaker against this awful team that doesn't do anything well in the Panthers that gives you some kind of optimism. But the very practical result of this matters. This was a must-win game for the Bears in terms of the draft pick. As it stands right now from winning this game, Carolina is in the slot for the number one pick. That's on Thursday night. You know, there's games this weekend. There's a whole half a season left. But as of right now today, Carolina would pick first Mm -hmm. and the Bears would pick fifth. And something first plus anything is what they want. Yeah, and we had talked about this during the week, that even though the Bears have their own pick and the Panthers pick, the far easier way to get the number one overall pick was to watch the Panthers go down the drain versus the Bears. Uh, Just uh, when you looked at who the Bears had left on their schedule and when you look at who the Panthers have left. To me, you know, you mentioned there's not one thing you can grab onto. Like, I I think the Bears' defense was pretty impressive. Um, But, boy, Bryce Young. Imagine trading... Two ones, two twos, and DJ Moore for Bryce Young. Now, there's a world where Bryce Young turns into a fine quarterback. But halfway through his first season, he's not C.J. Stroud, number one. Shoot, I mean, he's barely what Justin Fields was halfway through his first season. Uh, that, that would make me nervous if I were a Panthers fan. You know, you don't, you don't see it yet. That's not to say it's not there, but you don't see it. No, and they showed a graphic on the broadcast of other quarterbacks who have started similarly and gone on to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Matt Stafford was in that. Jared Goff. I want to say Joe Burrow was in that picture, but true, I can't true. remember for sure. Uh, similar stats, similar record. But that is the whole essence of having these draft picks, Pat, is it, it was not all along did the Bears prefer Justin Fields' upside or Bryce Young's upside. It was did they prefer the upside of picking number one and, in theory, picking the right guy. And when that doesn't happen, Mm -hmm. you have this. And why is this an important lesson for the Bears going into 2024? Because they could be making this kind of choice next year. And one of the things that I found interesting when Ryan Poles was talking to us uh, in the spring was that he took extensive notes on all these quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to keep those to measure how accurate his projections were. Mm-hmm. as a learning exercise for right. at some point needing to make this type of decision, whether it's evaluating his own quarterbacks right now, Justin Fields, Tyson Bajan, or evaluating a potential very high draft pick next year. I, I think the best case scenario for the Bears, and, and it's not, I think I know the best case scenario for the Bears is if the Panthers somehow end up with the first overall pick this year, the Bears will have traded the number one pick in a bad or in an okay quarterback draft for the number one pick in a good quarterback draft plus 
Another first and two twos. And DJ Moore. And DJ Moore. Their best and, player. And probably whatever they could get from for Justin Fields if they decide to draft a quarterback. So much of this to me is you got to build a team. Like we talk about the quarterback, and the quarterback's the most important position in football. But adding good players is something the Bears need to do for years to come in order to catch up with the teams that are really good. And they've given themselves more opportunities to do that. You look at, uh, at who uh, Bryce Young is throwing to today. I mean, they went and they got Adam Thielen, who's a, had, had a really nice season. But it's Adam Thielen and nobody. I mean, the one deep ball he threw went to a guy who was on the practice squad, I think, this week. And boy, they're not giving him much of a chance. It looked a lot like last year uh, when Justin Fields was throwing to Byron Pringle and guys like that. Yeah, it's hard to grow. I yep. mean, the players around you help you grow as much as the scheme and the coaches and whatever else. Hello. Um, the Bear, every team needs two things at the top of their list. It's quarterback and pass rush. The Bears are starting to – how do I put this? They're showing signs of potentially having a pass rush. The reason I would couch it like that, even though they had three sacks tonight, which is monumental for them, is it, it's really hard for me, Patrick, when you say their defense looked good, it's hard for me to gauge how good their defense really was against this team. I think this is a Panthers team that's going to make a lot of defenses look good. But I, all I, of that being said, the Bears hold Bryce Young to nothing, basically. And they hold the Panthers to 2.7 yards per carry. They're the best running defense in football. And, you know, when you get burned uh, by any competent quarterback, uh, I realize that being good against the run isn't the compliment it's supposed to be. But, yeah, I mean, Bryce Young couldn't make them pay for the mistakes that they'd made. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, I'm looking at stats right now from Montez Sweat. He had eight pressures t uh, tonight. That's the most anybody on the Bears has had since Robert Quinn almost three years ago. When he broke the record? Uh, it was, uh, it was it a really big season. It was week 13 of 2020. Yeah. And uh, he didn't have a sack, but eight pressures is a lot more churn than the Bears were getting before him. Uh, well, you really saw it tonight. Yeah. I, I, he, um, the analytics said he had a pretty good game against the Saints, even though he didn't have a sack. Mm -hmm. But tonight you saw him back there all the time, knocking Bryce Young down and hurrying him into throws. And Justin, I mean, Justin Jones gets a sack. Uh, who are the other guys who got sacks uh, tonight? I mean, you could argue that that uh, I'm sure the Panthers, you know, pass protection scheme focused on trying to stop Sweat. And yeah. because it did, uh, you know. The I know Ngakwe got one. Yeah, he's on here. Justin Jones got one. And uh, Rasheen Green got oh, one. Oh, Rasheen Green. That's the one I forgot. Uh, going through the game just real quick because I, I don't think it's worth dwelling too much on, on this. Uh, the Bears trailed at halftime 10-9 to 9 after Tyson Bajant did a great job, I thought, of taking them from the nine-yard line into field goal range. That was classic, just take a knee, go to the locker room yeah. territory, and, that, and the Bears didn't do it, and they were rewarded for their ambition on that one. Right, and he scrambled twice uh, uh, when he had to. Uh, just really good, uh, really good uh, showing by him there. And then at the end of the game, and, and these, to me these are, you know, if you're going to talk about anything from this game, the two things I would talk about would be Bajant at the end of the first half and Bajant at the end of the game. At the end of the game, the Bears are at third and seven uh, with a minute and a half-ish left. Uh, first down wins the game. First down wins the game. They Panth are, Panthers are, are up 16-13. 
Here we go. All right, so Bears get the ball up three with a minute and 35 left. They go handoff, timeout, Panthers. Handoff, timeout, Panthers. It's third and seven at the Panthers, 48 with a minute 26 left. There are two things you can do, Jason. You can hand the ball off a third time, run another 40 seconds off the clock, and then you're kicking to them with something like 40 seconds to play, and they're getting the ball uh, at the 10 with no timeouts. Or you can throw. <laughs> the Bears decided to throw. Uh, and uh, Tyson Bajant found Darnell Mooney for an eight-yard gain. Uh, Bears win the game. Uh, seals the win. I asked Cole Komet if he was surprised by the play call, and Cole Komet's like, yeah, I'm sitting there going, yo, we're going to run, right? And uh, I talked to a couple other players who were surprised too. I, I don't know whether that was bold or stupid, but it worked. And, yes. and I think back to the running play on fourth and one against the Broncos that I don't know whether it was bold or stupid, but it didn't work. Um, so I, I, I don't know whether we want the outcome to influence what we think here, but, man, I would have handed the ball off, wouldn't you? Yeah, I don't like that call at all. The Bears almost lost a game to Carolina in Carolina three years ago doing that at the end of the Nick game. Nick Foles game, right? Nick Foles. Is that the you can play, you can play scared? Or, oh, no, it's the ugly win quote from Nick Foles, right? I don't remember, man. Anyway, um, it's a blur. I, I hate the call, mm-hmm. especially with Tyson Bajan back there. I mm-hmm. think terrible call. I would like it a little better with Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm saying all this knowing that it worked out. I want to... I want to analyze the decision uh, independent of how it That's turned right. out, like you're saying. Um, Justin Fields, with that call, at least he gives you the option of he can take off and run, and you always have that salvation at hand with Justin Fields. I will say as much as I don't like the call, great play by the players. Mm-hmm. Tyson Bajan, Darnell Mooney, they made a great play. I would have run the ball in and that case. Bajan said, we asked him about it, Bajan said essentially the order was that if it wasn't there, just get sacked. Just let yourself get sacked. You know, run run that clock and and punt it. Uh, his performance in both those situations. I mean, I don't want to make too much of a guy with a 70 passer rating beating the worst or one of the two worst teams in football. But boy, there are some flashes even in Game Four, Jason, that surprised me uh, in a good way with him. There's upside with Bajan. That upside to me is all down the road. It's not to the point where I would rather see more Bajant than Absolutely get not. Justin yeah. Fields back. Not only would it does it make more sense for the Bears to have Justin Fields back short-term and long-term, but just in terms of what I would want to watch, what I want to know. I, I'm not at a point where I'm so curious about Tyson Bajant right now that I want to see him start two or three more games or even one more game. I would much rather have Justin Fields back as soon as possible if I was the Bears. But... They got Bajan on a long contract, mm-hmm. and he could be something at some point down the road. And this is really helpful to him to get to play these four, it's five games, four starts. Very helpful for him in his development to get some actual on-the-job training. Uh, he's 2-2 two and two as a starter. Justin Fields last year to start the season was 2-2 two and two in his first four games, I think. Uh, but hadn't won two games in a four-game span since. I, I mean, there's there's a little production there. You're right. There's no question you need to see Justin now. And, and you need to see him because of how important it is to the future of your franchise. I think you need to give him one last shot at trying to prove himself. Um, I, I think you and I agree that the odds of him being so undeniable in the last two months of the season that the Bears say we don't need a quarterback next year, I think those are pretty long odds. No, they are. Yes, they are. But it also... Every game he misses counts against him. Yep. Because it just shrinks the window. But even that being said, Pat, 
I think that counts against him less so than going out there and playing badly because his thumb doesn't work. And we've said this a million times. This is not a toughness issue for Justin Fields. This is a functional issue. Can he actually throw? Janoko uh, was saying the other day, you know, he's going to be watching when Fields is getting ready to come back. Is the ball coming out without any flap right. on it? Uh, that would be bad. Justin Fields out there as a, 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 the thumb injury, if it's not functional, exacerbates all of his flaws. Yeah. Throwing accuracy is a big problem, which leads to turnovers. Fumbles are a big problem for him, and this makes everything worse. So him getting 10 more days now mm-hmm. to come back, I don't want to say fully recovered because I doubt it's just going to be pain-free and perfect for him, but it should be pretty close. You have to do a lot of reading between the lines with Matt Eberflus. Yep. It seemed to me like he was saying even, a, even two or three more days would have made all the difference this week if it had been a normal Sunday to Sunday week instead of the quick turnaround of Sunday to Thursday. And they seem, between him and Poles, they seem to be conveying a lot of optimism that Fields plays uh, next week, November 19th, mm-hmm. against the Lions. That is a great test for him because obviously we know the Lions are good. The Lions are, they're not the Ravens. Right. They are like a top half of the league defense. Mm-hmm. So Justin Fields getting the extra 10 days to recover, facing a, t- a team that is a good defense, not overwhelming. I think that's a great test for him coming back. I'm sure the Bears would have loved to have the Panthers as the as the soft landing for Justin Fields. You know, get you know, figure out what he can do physically, uh, get those jitters out of the way. But yeah, I mean, the, the Lions would be a test. I mean, what was it with Mitch Trubisky? Mitch Trubisky could beat the Lions, and this ain't those Lions. Yeah, right? this this ain't those Lions, no. but. Uh, yeah, no, and, and maybe it was the endorphins uh, going with, with Matt Eberflus after the game, but it was. It, I thought it was the first time we'd asked him about Justin, and he didn't. He didn't like jump. He didn't jump back, or he didn't act like like we had just uh, like we were performing dental surgery on him or something. Yeah, you know, it's he seemed to embrace the question a little more than he had. You wrote about Eberflus for the Sun Times, uh, and I, I want to ask you about the exchange you had with him. Coming out of halftime, he says to the Amazon sideline reporter that uh, he's got something up. Well, we've got something up we've our sleeve. We've got some sli- things up our sleeve for the second half. Yeah. And I didn't see anything out of the ordinary. He didn't get to it. I think he pretty much said that. Right. I, but you asked him, and, and he just uh, gave it right back to you. Yeah, I said, well, what was up your sleeve? Did we see it? And he goes, I don't know. What's up yours? It was clever. It was good. Yeah, it's, it's fun. good to see him making a joke. Yeah, and I, I, I'd like to see more of that. We were talking about that, or at least uh, I was saying this to you earlier. Like, you know, if he ever can win more than one game in a row, maybe he'll relax a little bit, and then we might actually get to see some of that personality uh, for the first year and a half. Though uh, uh, we haven't. It's hard to say. It's, I mean, I don't know if it's the losing or if his personality is just kind of very serious. He's kind of robotic. I, I really don't know. With um, does this do anything to take any? I mean, a win's better than a loss. If the Bears lose this game, uh, I think there might be a pretty good freakout going on among Bears fans on Friday morning. But does this cha- this doesn't change your opinion of Eberflus and, and his job at all, does it? I don't think it changes anybody's mind when you win 16-13 over the Panthers. You spend all night punting. You get your only touchdown midway through the third quarter. Even with Bajan out here, this should have looked better offensively to me. Right. This should have looked more like it did against the Raiders. They, they, the Raiders are better. Are, than are you the willing? Panthers. Are you willing to concede though that on a Thursday night, 
sometimes, I mean, you know, we've all seen enough ugly Thursday night games. The Bears-Commanders game was not one of them. The Bears-Commanders yeah. game was sharp. But, I mean, we've all watched other teams kind of grind through Thursday night games. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean, but it's kind of like, you know, if the Chiefs were to have some Thursday night game at some point, or the Dolphins, right. or the Ravens, or the Eagles were to have some Thursday night game where they struggle and just barely beat a Carolina Panthers-adjacent opponent, you would say, well, you know, that's the weirdness of Thursday nights. They're fluky. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, it's kind of like the Europe games, stuff like that. You never know who's going to, you know, play weird. Because that, with the Bears, this is not inconsistent with how they've looked the last two years. No. So you're right that there's some randomness in the Thursday night games that doesn't come into play in a normal week. But this, is, this, is, this wasn't a weird game for the Bears. This is a pretty typical Bears game. A bunch of punts. Uh, some like very you know quizzical offense mm-hmm. and the defense is made to look really good because they're playing a bad offense it's just like when they're playing brian hoyer before we get out of here uh i want to give a quick mention dante foreman 20 21 carries 80 yards uh the bears uh four yard touchdown as well uh boy he looked good and he was banged up too and and, and, yeah. and gritted through it he, he was missed the last few minutes of the first half he was by far their best offense i was player. surprised not to see khalil herbert tonight yeah i thought everything was pointing toward he'd be available mm-hmm. and then they did not activate him on thursday and it'll be interesting when he if he does come back against the lions to see uh whether he's the lead back or not i mean i don't think foreman's done much as a ball carrier to scare me off of him right now he's been impressive i worry about him in pass protection i worry about him in the pass game but in the run game i don't think there's anybody i'd rather have running the ball right now i worry about herbert in the pass protection too but i mean if you're listing Big play threats on their team. Mm-hmm. You know, it's DJ Moore, just a healthy Justin Fields, Herbert probably next. Yeah, I mean Herbert led the led all running backs last year in yards per carry. He is a guy that can catch a screen pass or take a handoff, and next thing you know, he's 20, 40 yards downfield. And uh, last mention, and then we'll go. Amir Smith Marset, the former Bear. He we, got him. Yeah, gets him for a 79 yard touchdown. Yeah, yeah, Chris Tabor. Steaming it up. Uh, is, is that – I mean, the, if you take that away, I mean, you know, the Panthers' offense is horrible. But if you take that punt return away, I mean, the Bears' defense allowed six points. Like, that's pretty good. It is. It is. It's, it's pretty good. good if you're playing me. You, you have to have the context of that this is a horrible yep. Carolina Panthers team. Mm-hmm. Possibly, in the end, the worst team in the entire NFL. Mm-hmm. Cole Komet, uh, when I asked him about, uh, about throwing there at the very end, he says, I know people are going to talk about the team we played and take that into context. It's good to hear somebody say that. Cole Komet always says like what the rational Bears fan would say. Yeah, I feel like because that's what he is. He's been that his whole life. Good use of rational Bears fan because I feel like Bears fan maybe the presumption is not rational. It's no, but I would say it is very hard to stay rational as a Bears fan mm-hmm. when it's not just been the Matt Eberflus era, the Matt Nagy era, the, the Mark Tressman era. It's been, if, if you're under 50, this has been most of your life. It's your life, yeah. So pretty hard to stay rational under those conditions. Thank you for uh, making sure we didn't bite the hand that feeds us when we uh, say things about fans. Because uh, I feel like there are, there are listeners. They don't need us to. They don't need Pat Finley insulting them. I get them. Yeah. I, I think some of it is like pretty irrational sometimes, pretty wild right. sometimes. But I get it. I get why 
it's like that. I think it's worth pointing out too that social media bears fan is a completely different conversation, one that we will not have at this point. The Bears have a long weekend. Uh, we will be back next week to break down David Montgomery and Jared Goff and all those Detroit Lions waiting for them. Until then, you can follow Jason and I on social media. Check out Mark Potash as well. Uh, go to the Sun-Times website, check out the app, or pick up a newspaper. He's Jason Leisure. I'm Pat Finley. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back again real soon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.